Welcome to the Addiction Connection. We like to believe the opposite of addiction is actually connection, and we are going to attempt to educate you and possibly even entertain you while we navigate all topics addiction. Hi, I'm Dr. Kirk Devine. And I'm Dr. Heather Bell, and we both provide primary care and addiction services. It's our goal to help you learn more about the disease of addiction and its treatments. Welcome back. Um, <laughs> that was really dorky. <laughs> I, I actually kind of choked for a second, and then you just took over. I was like, <laughs> just I guess, I'm just going to say, there you go with your coughing again. Maybe maybe this is a sign that um, I should just take over this podcast and all of our programs by myself, because you seem to have an allergy to it. Yeah. Okay, this is now officially number 109, but who knows? Who knows where it'll land? Who knows where it'll land? So this... This is more of a human interest story. It's super human interest story, but yet, I don't know. I think people are going to like it. I hope they do. And I have to do how this even came to be. Well, let me just say this. I remember this event very clearly. Um, I don't, but I almost should. I was like 21. No, 19. You were 19. 19. I mean, it's in October 2002, so I turned 20 that month, but I don't know the I think I would have been 30-ish. No, no, (laughs) 40-ish. Dude, you're 21 years older than me. Okay. So, yeah. Oh, my I gosh, re- you all. Kurt's birthday is in 13 days from right now. But by the time you're listening to this, he is already 61. Ugh. Anyway. <laughs> yeah. So, I remember this event very okay, clearly. Okay. Let me explain how I came to this topic. So, I don't know. And I'm going to name drop here because I really, really, really would love to meet this person. And if we could ever fly to wherever he is, I totally would to tape a podcast with what? him. So, Sam Quinones. Oh, yeah. The author of Dreamland. And I know you haven't read the whole book because nope. you have ADHD and can't sit still. Allegedly. That book, if anyone wants to know, and I'm going to totally go on a tangent, I'm not getting paid or endorsed or anything. It's just, it is the book that explains how the whole opioid epidemic even got started. So anyway, he's got a new book. Shoot, I should probably have it off the top of my head what it's called. Let's not worry about it. No, Sam I need can... to. The Least of Us. So it's called The Least of Us, and it kind of takes over where Dreamland left off, but it's talked about meth, and now it's talking about fentanyl. And this topic got brought up while I was running, when I was listening to this book, and I just Hmm. literally stopped, screenshotted where I was in the book on my book on tape, and then went back and then wrote notes and researched it. Anyway, so he started talking about this Moscow theater hostage crisis. I remember it clearly. I want to preface okay. before we start talking. We're going to talk about Roscoe, Ma, little, <laughs> Moscow and the Russians, but this is strictly about this event. We're not making anything political No, about anything in the current times. I'm like completely not political. I'm I know. Back in 2002. I just wanted people to understand that this is going to be focused on this event that happened then. No mm. comments about the future. In October of 2002. So what happened was... Chechen rebels stormed the Moscow theater and 800 people were trapped. So these are bystanders. Well, they were held hostage. Held hostage for 57 hours. It was on the news constantly while you were doing what high college students do. I mean, do. I was, what, sophomore in college. You were probably out. No. Having fun. So I wasn't 21 yet, dude. I was like a bookworm. Clearly, that's why I you're carry the, this podcast in, with my the, intelligence. You were in the library and never saw the TV. I really didn't watch TV in college because then you had to pay for that back then. <laughs> anyway, 
57 hours. That's four plus days. Can you imagine being trapped in a theater with 799 other people that's plus? Not, that's not four days. That's just over two. No, 48 hours. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking anyway. You didn't, didn't take math in college, <laughs> I was thinking you? by 12-hour increments. That's, yeah, so two plus hours. But still, two hours in a theater with 799 other people and a bunch of hostages. So, yeah. Anyway. So where are you going from here? Okay, so... The Russians didn't know what to do because all these rebels had all these um, Russian people stuck in this in this theater. And so the Russian troops released a quote unquote mysterious gas you into say the that theater. Better. Say mysterious gas. Mysterious. Ready? Where's the button? Ready? No. 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 Oh. There. Mysterious gas. There you go. Okay. Mysterious gas into the theater to incapacitate the rebels. So the whole point of this gas was meant to chill the rebels out but i don't know why nobody thought that hey these 800 other people are also people and yeah. they might also chill out. well they they also have to breathe right so, so what happened 120 hostages so 120 of these 800 died yep i mean so let's just take a moment the million dollar question is what was the gas okay so this is this is where we're going to kind of jump around a little bit because I'm going to name it, but then I'm going to come back to this exact question. So hold on to it. But the gas is carfentanil. See, and that's funny because at the time, I remember them saying- No, no, no we're going to come back to it. Okay. You can hold that thought. Because I recall this like it was yesterday. Okay, so you're going to hold that thought. All right. So- Here's carfentanil. And the reason this got brought up in Sam Quinone's book is because, of course, here we are talking about the fentanyl crisis and all that. And so carfentanil is, of course, 10,000 times more powerful than morphine and 100 times more powerful than fentanyl. And so, actually, it was banned by the Chemical Weapons Convention, carfentanil was. It's too deadly. I had never even heard of the Chemical Weapons Convention. Have you heard of that? No, I would just think that, like, how do you decide a weapon is too bad? Right. And that's kind of weird. So here is actually what the Chemical Weapons Convention does. It's a convention. This is a quote from their their deal. Convention on Prohibition of the Development, Production, Stockpiling, and Use of Chemical Weapons, and on their Destruction. Like, literally, they have, like, all these articles, and then they list chemicals and how they verify them and then the confidentiality of them. But the whole point is to eliminate the category of weapons of mass destruction in the chemical world. Okay. Let's have rules for war. Okay, that's weird. But okay. So I don't want to get call, political. They call about the states parties. And when they say states, they don't mean like the United States. They yeah. mean like states around countries, the world. Yeah. Countries. They agree to, quote, disarm... <laughs> So anybody who's part of this convention is actually has agreed. This is what's going to be interesting at the very end of this podcast. They've agreed to destroy stockpiles and facilities which produce these chemicals, Hmm. which clearly hasn't happened because this was 2002 and we now have carfentanil back in the drug supply. Yep. Okay. So, and not only that, but there's a whole verification thing on the toxic chemical and their precursors. All of that. So this is what's also cool. You can do a challenge inspection. So you can say, hmm, I challenge you, XYZ country. I think you're cheating on this convention rule. Cheater, and cheater. And at any time, Pumpkin eater. they can do a quote, anytime, anywhere, 
no right of refusal, surprise inspection. Wow. Which I don't understand why they don't do these all the time then. Turns out it's not carfentanil, it's just Roundup. Never mind. That's kind of a delayed response, the Roundup. Anyway, go ahead. Um, what button was that? <laughs> <laughs> okay. So really, this was in line with the Federal Assembly, uh, the General Assembly of the United Nations Protocol for Prohibition of the Use and War of Asphyxiating, Poisonous, or Other Gases, and of Bacteriological Methods of Warfare, the Geneva Protocol from 1925. Wow. So like way before this Moscow theater thing happened. Back with when there was mustard gas. Oh, no, no. We're going to get to that, too. Oh, okay. So my question, this is my only... Hedging on political question. If this was already prohibited in 1925, according to the Geneva Protocol, how did the Russian generals or people decide that they should release this gas in 2002? It's like, hey, what's this? I I found this on the shelf. But can I tell you what the answer to that question is? There's actually an answer. Oh, well, okay. Give me the answer. They're not members of the United Nations, so they never had to sign this. Uh, They're not, huh? Hmm, okay. Okay, so anyway, back to the theater. So, as the gas filled this theater in 2002 October in Moscow, held hostage by the Chechnyans, so the hostages and the rebels all passed out, or they died immediately. Okay? Wow. The Russian officers dragged alive and the dead into cars and buses. That seems reasonable. Just stuff this guy in my car. Okay, but here's this interesting dude. He's a songwriter, a very famous songwriter from the ages of that time, Alexander Karpov. He died after seven hours alive in the bus packed with dead corpses. So he was alive when he got dragged out into this bus, and then he died seven hours later. Wow. So they had 30 people shoved into this 12-seat microbus, and then... There was a 13-year-old girl shoved at the bottom of that, and she got crushed and died. So not only did these 120 die of the gas, but then all these other people died because of their removal of the alive and dead from the theater. Hmm. Like, don't you think they would have had some type of like a, what's that called? Um, Triage. Thank you. That is the exact word I was looking for. A triage. Yeah. You're alive and you're dead. Easy. Yep. Okay. Except your pulse is like 13. So... The problem was that even the medical professionals where the people who didn't die got brought to the hospital that, I guess, how they chose which ones got to go to the hospital and which ones didn't. I don't know. Again, triage system. The medical professionals and nobody was ever told what this gas was. And so they took several hours to try to figure out what the heck they had been given. They started to give Narcan. They did all this trial and error stuff. But even the Narcan only kind of touched it because it's carfentanil. Wow. And then, on top of this... Allegedly. Allegedly. No, this is actually documented. I'm not even like... It could be allegedly. Could be. All the terrorists, so all the Chechnyans, which I never number. There's not an article out there that says how many Chechnyan rebels were actually in that theater. Let's face it, just saying the word Chechnyan is kind of cool. But anyway, go ahead. Especially when you throw the word rebels after it. Anyway, they actually... The Russians shot and killed all of the Chechnyan rebels because they didn't want them to speak about what was actually going on Mm. so so 16 years later so now we're to 2018 when this history channel does this huge documentary on this which i still had not heard anything about even though that was four years ago Mm. the russians have still not admitted what was in the gas but quote that it contained fentanyl related compounds end quote we thought it was laughing gas 
Okay, that was kind of funny. That, <laughs> get it? Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. You're more funny when you don't try to be. Okay, so this is also what I found interesting. 2012, so 10 years later, the British somehow obtained clothes from two of the survivors. So I'm presuming that they like... The law enforcement officials had somehow packaged these clothes or protected them, although I don't know why Russia would have done that. But somebody had these clothes 10 years later and a urine sample from another survivor. So three different Mm. samples who had urine from then. I don't know. And they were able to test those three samples and found that there was carfentanil in their clothes and urine. So that is the Russian story. Interesting. So what were you going to say? What you said? Well, I can remember at the time that it was, it seems like, this is my memory, that it was fentanyl that they pumped in there, vaporized fentanyl, and not car fentanyl. But, of course, at that point, the, the media might have just said fentanyl because nobody knew what car fentanyl really was back then. Well, and again, 16 years later, the Fars- Russians had only said it contained a fentanyl-related compound. So Yeah, interesting. So overall, I'm just going to touch on this just because I got down a Kurt-like rabbit hole on chemical warfare agents, and we still have a couple minutes. So Does that have much to do with addiction? But anyway. Not really. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I'm going to let you go down the rabbit Actually, hole for just a moment. Literally, there's nothing related to addiction in the end of this, but people are now listening because there was addiction in this sort of talking about carfentanil, and now it's just interesting. The weaponization of carfentanil. That right. that was, that it's was, nuts. Yeah. Okay. But okay, I have another question there, like quickly. We said that this has been prohibited as a chemical warfare agent and shouldn't be around due to the United Nations Geneva Convention. I just wanted to say Geneva Convention. It made me sound really smart. Yeah. Nineteen twenty-five. Not really. Um, but yet it is still an elephant tranquilizer, so it is still allowed to be made and produced. But- sure. What would we do with the elephants without it? Xylazine. Yeah, it's like, we need to trim your nails, Mr. Elephant. Give you a little carfentanil. No, dental procedure. They needed braces. Yeah, we got to put braces on it. Anyways, so chemical warfare agents can be gas, liquid, aerosol, powder. They're meant to be lethal or incapacitating. They're highly toxic. All of the things. They work fast. And actually, the first documented, quote-unquote, poison was through the Middle Ages and the Renaissance. What? That's how long ago it was. What'd they use? Um, Just <laughs> chlorine. Hmm. German gas is what they called it. They used it in April of 1915. Also, is the first time they've been able to document exactly what the chemical was. The Middle Ages and the Renaissance, nobody knows. They just called it poison. Hmm. But the first documented was vaporized chlorine in 1915 in Belgium. Wow. Done by the Germans. World War One. there was a 1.2 million casualties and 100,000 deaths because of here's your mustard gas, yep. a bunch of other stuff, chlorine, World War Two. Now we have the Ziklon B gas, which is hydrogen cyanide. That this is how a lot of good. the Nazis killed the Jews. Wow. And then in Vietnam is when Agent Orange came to be, and then the U.S. actually used it there. Um, and then it was actually used, I say the, it's many things. There was a, a nerve agent um, that was used in the Iran-Iraq war in the 1980s. Wow. So Brutal. currently in the 20th century, well, not currently, I guess we're in the 21st now, but there are more than 70 different chemicals and mixtures of chemicals that are known around the world 
where to come back to present time. They talk about this all the time on the news right now. Like they have biologics. They have. Yeah. I mean, it's scary. And to think that a, that an opioid could be a biologic. Right. Which people are doing on purpose. Yeah. Interesting. Anyway. Well, nice rabbit hole read there. Rabbit hole read, but again, interesting. Come on. Tell me it was interesting. It was interesting. Not exactly an addiction connection podcast, but it, it's going to probably get on. It will get on because I think people like historical stuff. We can't always be about learning strictly addiction. Sometimes it just has to be interesting. And, you know, entertaining. Wasn't it edutainment? It was edutainment. <laughs> All right. What's his name? Be- Beesman. Yeah. Ed- edutainment. I'll edutainment. All right. Thanks, Patrick. <laughs> yeah. Bye now. Coldest we can be.